Blog Talk Radio. You're about to hear a revolution in talk radio. Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Christiana. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government, now before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought. This is this in action. Only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Well, folks, uh, today we have no guests, but I just want to want to people to call six five two six two zero. For your questions or comments, whether you agree or disagree, call 646-652-4620. You know, uh, as I get older, and I guess I'm getting really old now at this point, um, you, you get to reflect on how things used to be. Now, there's always a danger in that because when you reminisce, you reminisce the good times. Um, even the bad times appear to be good when they're not. I mean, there were horrible times, but somehow you excuse them. And there were some very, very tough times. Times were very, very different. And I think they were a lot more tolerable then. Um, my father came here from the old country back in the 19, early 1930s, you know, before World War II, and um, didn't, didn't write a letter, didn't have anything on him. Um, he got off the boat, you know, gave him his name, and they, they did the preliminary test to make sure he didn't have a communicable disease. And he came in, he had no job, no references, nothing. And yet he wound up with a factory employing, owning a factory with 200 employees. Now, at that time, there were no government handouts. There was no government assistance. There was no government anything, really. This was what I was talking back in the early 1930s. In fact, he, he talks about how he started small businesses and tried to get things going. He tried several things that he failed at, and he eventually settled in the garment district, making actually making women's gloves. Well, women, women don't wear gloves anymore, so he's he out of business. He went out of business a long time ago, passed away a long time ago. But my, my point being is that... Um, he was a, not an undocumented or documented alien. He just came here because America was the land of the free, the land of opportunity. We, we on, on our sexual liberty, it says something like, give me your, your tired, your hungry, your huddled masses yearning to be free. And that's what we did. We let, allowed people to come in. We didn't have borders. Borders are the most ridiculous concept in the world. Um, I remember... Um, about 20 years ago, I was in Europe, and um, I was walking down the street, um, and there was a concrete pillar, 
and it had an S on it. And I looked at it, and I couldn't figure out what that. I thought maybe it meant South or something like that. And then I looked on the other side. It had F on it, the letter F. And I said, well, North, South, East, West. I said, that doesn't make any sense. And I stood for the longest time, about four feet tall, a little concrete post. And this gentleman passed by, and I asked him, I said, excuse me, do you speak English? He said, yes, I do. And he spoke English. Just, they had no access. I remember that. And I said, what does this post represent? Oh, and, and by the way, this was in a, um, uh, in a residential neighborhood, you know, the, the typical European three-story homes and whatever, uh, you know, apartments and whatever. And <clears throat> he, said, oh, he said, right now you are standing in Switzerland. He said, if you stand on the other side, you're in France. I said, thank you. And I said, there's no border control. There's no troops. There's no police. There's no nothing, nothing. I mean, cars were back and forth and whatever. So I said, but, but, and I still think these concept of borders are kind of silly. Now, if you do, in fact, live in France, you know, and you want to be a French citizen, you have you had to apply to become a French a citizen of France because that afforded you certain um, amenities. If you wanted to be a citizen of Switzerland, you had to do the same thing. But whether or not you walked to France, to Switzerland, back and forth every and people did it every day. You know, there were no guards or anything. And so the, the concept of borders is kind of ridiculous. You know, we complain about the borders with Mexico. And we got to keep those Mexicans out. You know, they're going to ruin our country. Well, you know, read your history. We, which an ignorant nation. We don't study history. We don't study cause and effect of things. We don't understand why, why we are where we are today. And, and, and Donald Trump plays to the, to the, to the hilt. And he, boy, he does a masterful job of, of directing the people in the way, in the way they should think. Just think 100 years ago, um, the Midwest was part of Mexico. It wasn't even part of the United States. You know, remember the Alamo and all that? Yeah, we actually took Mexico at the Battle of a Gun. So then we acquired all this land via a war, unjustified war, because it was part of Mexico. We took it, right? And then we drew this arbitrary line, which happens to be the, the Rio Grande River. And we said, all right, everything north of the Rio Grande River is now part of the United States. Well, for 100 years, uh, people migrated from the United States to Mexico, from Mexico to the United States. There was no border exchange at all. There were no guards, no nothing. Right? And um, I, I remember, um, uh, well, this was about 20, 30 years ago, my wife and I took uh, – um, a, a bike ride. Um, we went on this, this bike ride across the state of Oklahoma, and uh, you know we crossed borders. We crossed the Texas uh, Oklahoma border. Um, how come there weren't troops there stopping us? We went over a bridge and we were in Texas. No, and then we went back. We're back in Oklahoma. What difference does it make? Well, you could say, well, you know, if they come here, you know, they're, they're not legal citizens. You know, they're not entitled to have all the benefits we have. Well, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. But they're not coming here for that reason. Well, they're coming here because they're terrorists. They want to take things from us. Well, this never happened. Actually, the uh, crossing of the border ceased back in the 1930s. 
it ceased. There was no migration of people from Mexico coming to the United States during that period in the 1930s. Why? Because of the Great Depression. There were no jobs. People come here to work. Americans live here to be on welfare. I mean, we need these people to do this type of work, you know, and we had no trouble whatsoever. We said, well, what about the war on drugs? They'll bring illegal drugs. Well, that's another government program that, that's gone awry. Why, do, why are drugs illegal? This is supposed to be a, a constitutional republic, which it is not anymore, but it should be a constitutional republic. What I do to myself is my business. What you do to yourself is your business. It's not the government telling us this is what you can eat, you cannot eat. Hey, if, if you want to play that game, anything that is not, not nutritious for you should be illegal. You know, we have smuggle all this, we'll have to smuggle hot dogs into the United States so people eat hot dogs. No, it's up to people to decide what is best for them. And so the war on drugs is a ridiculous concept whatsoever. And all it does is makes drugs expensive. Now, if all of a sudden you said, all right, all drugs are legal. You know, you want to take it, take it, you know, have a ball with this stuff. And anyone can make drugs in their home, in their kitchen. What would happen to the price of drugs? Well, it's being a little package being $50 or $150, whatever it costs on the street these days, right? It would be 35 cents. Well, what happens to organized crime? Organized crime goes away. Look what happened during the, 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 during the um, uh, uh, 1930s when they made alcohol illegal. Who made money during those periods of time? Right? The underworld, you know, Al Capone and gang, and they made a fortune on it. Did people continue drinking? Absolutely. Did they continue making alcohol? Absolutely. But common person couldn't have alcohol, but people you know, who were connected or took a gamble and going in one of these speakeasies that were controlled by the mafia where they made all their money, you know, those are the people that did well. So the, our government creates crime. If they don't create one well, they create crime very well. And if, it was, if I was president, would drugs be legal? Not that I would make it uh, legal. I would say it's none of my business. And it's none of the business of the president nor the Congress of whether or not you can take a drug. And what I find absolutely unconscionable is when a doctor, a medical doctor, wants to give medical marijuana to an ailing patient, he may go to jail. Now, we've gone insane. We've gone beyond insane. We've become wickedly insane. But this is the problem with America today. It's no longer the land of the free. It's land of the controlled. It's land of litigation. It's land of, um, of, of dominance by a large government over the people. Everything that you do today, you need permission from the government. I, believe it, I went for a haircut. Don't laugh. I actually went for a haircut. You know, I got to get this for the long once in a while. So I get a real cheap haircut. And I asked the gal there, I said, um, I said, I'm curious. I said, this state, uh, you know, do you get trained for this or do you have to go to school? She said, oh, no, we have to go. She said, the state law now is that we have to go to cosmopolitan school. You're kidding me to cut hair? She said, yeah. I said, I, if you don't mind me, how much does it cost? She said, $24,000. We've gone insane again. I, 
when I lived in Harlem in, on First Avenue, Skinny's Barber Shop, you know, Skinny taught his nephew, you know, how to cut hair, and he cut hair. You know, what damage could you do? Let's assume someone goes in there and the young kid, you know, starting up, cuts him hair poorly, right? Well, Skinny says, it's on us. I'm sorry. Well, in fact, your next three haircuts are on us free. I mean, they, they, they don't want to lose customers. So what they do is you learn on the job, is on the job training. Now, young people go into debt for years upon years just to pay for schooling to become a cosmetologist so, so that they can cut hair. This is insane. This is more government control. And where does all the money go to? It goes to the schools that are teaching this garbage, right? And But why do they charge so much? Because they got to pay off the politicians in Washington so the politicians will keep all this line so they can keep all these laws in place. They're not there to reduce the laws or to make us more free. They're there to enslave us even more. You know, and, and, and I'm really, really getting sick, sick of this saying, well, don't, don't worry, Joe. Don't get excited. Um, um, Trump will make America great again. Well, you know, I, listen, I'm not anti I'm not pro-Trump or anything. I just want to be a realist. I want to, I just want to think through what we are doing. You know? uh, look what he's doing with the tariffs around the world, making enemies with everyone. I mean, for what reason? Now, right and correct and fair? Probably not. But isn't there a, a diplomatic way of handling it? Do we have to get everyone hacked off just so he can get on TV and say, I showed everybody, you know, I put tariffs on everybody and screw them. You know, we're going to make America great again. What a, I, come on. It's not going to happen that way. In fact, if you look at history, all of the major downturns, the super, the, the Great Depression included, you know, occur because we start protectionist uh, uh, measures against goods coming in. The only prosperous nations are free nations where free trade is, is, is honored. And if you're on free trade, you get a more prosperous America. Yes, there are people who make stuff for practically nothing, and they bring it over here. Yes, but we're paying practically nothing. That's the point. So when we use the parts that they make for practically nothing compared to what we make it for, then what we make becomes less expensive and more palatable to everybody else around the world. But we can't think that way. All we think is, you know, what are we doing? You know, we're going to beat them out. We're going to make America great again. Screw everybody. No, come on. You know, I've heard that stuff in the street all my life. I'm from a kid from Harlem, you know, and I'm 75 years old, but I'm a kid from Harlem still in heart. And I've been through that before. You know, it doesn't work. You know, and it's, the people say, well, look at all the good he's done with uh, North Korea. Well, I got a problem there, too. What the heck are we doing in Korea? Korea never attacked the United States. I don't recall once ever waking up in the morning and seeing Korean troops, troops in my subdivision. Well, even when I was in Harlem, there were no Korean troops. I mean, they never attacked us. Oh, I forgot. We're the world policemen. How could I forget that we're, we're the world We have to police the world. Well, I, you know, I looked at the Constitution. And I said, well, I wonder where in this constitution of ours, where of course no one reads anymore, they don't teach in school because it's the government school system, and the government will teach exactly what they want you to believe and not the truth. But that's another story. 
You look at the Constitution. Ain't nothing in there about, about the um, United States being a world policeman. In fact, if anything, if you read the Constitution, it says we are free people. The world is a free planet. We allow immigration. We allow the transfer of people as well as goods for the benefit of all. I mean, that's why we have the Statue of Liberty in New York, which is really such an ancient relic at this point. It's, it's meaningless. But that's the way it was. There were no regulations. You know, when I was a kid, I could never figure out why we in Korea fighting. What was I was a kid at the time? Because it was the early 1950s. You know, we're in Korea. I mean, just because we were afraid Chinese were going to take over Korea? Well, look what happened. Then we went to Vietnam. We withdrew from Vietnam, and they said, oh, the Chinese are going to take over. Oh, not so fast. The, the Vietnamese didn't want anyone taking them over. And now, who's a major trading partner of the United States? Vietnam. Well, surprise, the free market works. And I, I just wish Trump would stop with this grandioso, bombastic rhetoric that it is of no value whatsoever. None. And I wish he, someone would give him a copy of the Constitution and say, hey, boss, read this and see what you're doing, whether or not it complies with our Constitution. I'm afraid he wouldn't understand it. It would be confusing for him. Say, What's all this about? You mean I, I'm not the emperor of the world? I thought I was the emperor of the world. I can do whatever I want. You know, and people say, well, you know, he's making government smaller. You want to make government small? Get rid of the Department of Labor. I'm rid of it. I mean, all of it, everyone, get rid of the Department of Education. That's my favorite, the Department of Education. We had kids. You know, when I was young, I used to watch cowboy, cowboy and Indian movies, remember? And they always had a picture of a town. And then at the end, end of the town, it was always the end of the town, never in the middle of the town, always at the end of the town, there was a little schoolhouse with the bell on top. You know what I mean? Right? And um, they, had, they always had a picture of the teacher teaching the kids. And one thing that was very strange to me when I was young, watching these cowboy and Indian movies, if you will, is that there would be talkers in the class, very young kids, you know, I mean, boys, girls. And there would be maybe, you know, 10, 15 kids in the classroom. All different ages, all different sizes, all different everything. Years and years, I said, I guess maybe because they couldn't break it up, it was television. I thought it was, I was blaming television. That's why they only had one, one room. You know, they want to have several rooms. And I said, no. You see, education was not, um, was not a function of government. It was a function of the town. And the problem was is that many of the people in that town were uneducated. They were farmers. They were welders. They were horseshoe guys. You know, whatever. You know, they were tradesmen. You know, and they didn't have a formal education. Many of them were born or were first uh, first uh, uh, degree not degree, but uh, what do they call it? First. <laughs> When you're for your father and then your son, I'm asking, I'm asking someone of my own, you know, anyway, they were the, they, they were the, uh, the, 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 the children of immigrants, you know, who speak English. Now they spoke English, you know, broken English probably. And, um, but they had no formal education. So they sent the kids to the school to learn to read, to write, 
and do arithmetic, reading, writing, you know, three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. I know they're not R's, you know, all of them. But, um, and so after a day's, uh, not a day's, but a few hours of, of learning the basics of reading, the basics of, 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 of arithmetic and, the, you know, and, and, and things like that, uh, they would get their rifles and they would go hunting. There was no rifle association. There was no ban of rifles. Kids would take rifles right to the classroom, hang them up, do their homework, do their work. They weren't in school all day. They were just there for a few hours. And then in the afternoon, they went fishing and hunting or farming, welding, or whatever they did to help in their father's, their, their, their parents' trade. We didn't need a school. Now, some of the kids said, you know, geez, I like reading books. And they did. They had this predisposition to do so. And some of them became doctors and lawyers and, you know, and went out of town and their parents slaved to do that. And families were very cohesive unit at the time. Well, now what happens? Kids go to school from the time they're five years old, fifth grade, from the five years old, all the way past 20 years old. They sit in the classroom nine months out of the year or five days a week, you know, Listening to the same garbage. It's garbage what they're teaching them. They're not teaching them how to think. They're teaching them how to memorize. And who's controlling all of this? The people in Washington. And this is costing a fortune. Get rid of the Department of Education. Let the kids learn on, on their own. They will do much better. They'll learn what they want to do. And today, young kids don't have any trades. Uh, they don't go to trade school. And if you want to go to trade school, it's so expensive, you'll be in debt for a good portion of your life. I, you know, it just does not seem that anyone is taking stock of America. No one's looking at America and saying, hey, guys, uh, this is not right. We are violating all the precepts of the Constitution. Um, every time um, uh, Trump allows us to send rockets over to Syria, there's no declaration of war. He can't start a war with anyone. That's the, that, that, that's, the, that's the privilege of Congress. Congress has to vote war. You know, unless someone is attacking us, then he becomes the commander-in-chief so that you know, we can have a cohesive defense. But we don't have a defense. We have an offense. We have also everything we do is offense. And we're constantly bombing and killing people overseas. So we're bombing and killing people overseas. What do we do? They want to get back at us. We, we send a rocket there to kill a person. Well, it just happens to kill a few hundred innocent men, women, and children, and grandmothers and grandfathers. And then we want to know why these people want to hurt us. We're killing them. That's why they want to hurt us. Back in the 1910s and 20s and whatever, people didn't come here because they wanted to hurt us, because we left them alone. And every single war that we get involved in, that we involved in, we all, it was all a setup. When we were with Britain back in the 1800s, you know, we sunk their ship. You know, of course, you know, we said, oh, no, we didn't do that. You know, you know, we sunk a ship and then we blamed the, the British. But then we had to go to war with them, you know. And um, then, then we went to, to, to war again, um, uh, World War I. Um, then that, that was a setup, too. That was a phony baloney setup. And we, we entered the war six months before it ended. And we lost tens of thousands of troops for no reason, no reason whatsoever. And World War II, and if anyone believes the, the government version of Pearl Harbor, you should read a book called The Day of Deceit. 
You know, the day of the, and I, re, I read that book. It gave me chills. It's all government documents. There's no writing. There's, there's, there's no opinion at all in any of it. It's only government documents. And I remember distinctly the last two words in that book. The last two words were the last sentence in the last paragraph of the book. We knew. You know, so every, our governments have always set us up to, so we can go to war. We can die for the government. And, you know, I'm getting kind of tired. I really am getting kind of tired of, of the position that the United States takes because the United States is not taking the position that's, that's worthy of having. And we keep on dumbing down our people. We keep on taxing our people. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all socialistic, communistic programs. You know, at one time, we were the freest nation in the world. Now there's a freedom index that is compiled once a year to see which countries are doing better and worse. And um, I, I forgot the, the, the exact standing, but I think we're down like number 24 of 200 countries. You know, we're far from the freest nation in the world. And when it comes to economic freedom, we're pretty low. In fact, our bonds today, now at one time, U.S. bonds were AAA-1, no problem. Everyone would take them, and they still do take them. But if they looked a little closely, a little bit more closely, I should say, um, our bonds are not AAA uh, any longer. In fact, I think they're double B. They're two or three steps below Russia bonds. We're broke. This country goes into debt, overall debt, by over $100,000 per second. And I think it's like 1.5, 1,500, $150,000 per second that we go in the hole. And people say, oh, let's, President Trump is, 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 is reducing the debt. He's not. It's getting higher and higher and higher. I had uh, Professor Kutlikoff, University of Boston, one of the top 25 economists in the world, two years ago. This is two years ago when he was on my show, when I had my studio at the City Plex Towers. And he said, at that time, our overall debt that goes Medicare, Medicaid, unfunded debt, and current debt, and whatever, was $223 trillion. I don't think you can sell the planet Earth for that amount of money. That's one quarter of one quadrillion dollars today. A quarter of one quadrillion dollars. And we say, we're going to make America great again? We have to reduce government. We have to reduce the legislation. We have to make this place free again. We have to conserve ourselves. We have to be constitutionalists. Every one of us should read the Constitution, and every time a politician opens his mouth, we should all say, no, 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 it's, that's unconstitutional. But we don't say that. We had a teacher strike here in Oklahoma, lasted over, a, um, lasted over two weeks, two, two and a half weeks. You know, you know why? Because it's a government-run system. It's a government-run system. We didn't have this problem before the government got involved. And now every year there's some teachers' union going on strike for more money. Now, teaching is not an easy job, but the the schools should not exist the way they are now. So it's not the teacher's fault. It's the system's fault. 
Well, we only have a couple of minutes to go. Let's see, what time is it? Is it about time? Yeah, we only have one more minute to go. Um, I, I don't want you to think I'm anti-Trump or anti-this. I'm pro-Constitution. I, I just wish that someone would give him the copy of the Constitution and maybe he put things back into light where it belongs, you know? Well, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. You know, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be, to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Till next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. Yeah.